This fall, we have been talking about essentials, life truths that matter, and really just digging into uh, Paul's letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy. I want to talk today about living in resolve. Living in resolve. That's our word today, resolve. Uh, I searched for the word that I wanted, and that's the word I want today. When I read 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, I believe the word that captures uh, what Paul was trying to impress upon Timothy is the word resolve. If I had to define resolve, I like the definition that resolve is a firm determination. A firm determination. So if that helps you, uh, when, I, when I use the word resolve, then... Then, then use that. Now, when I hear the word resolve, I think of the hymn. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight, things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I don't know if anybody else was raised with that. Maybe it was just First Baptist Church, Wichita Falls. Uh, But I am resolved. I love that statement of faith and that statement of a firm determination that I'm not going to stay where I am. Uh, Nothing's going to detract me, but I am pressing on to Jesus. And that's really the message that Timothy had, that Paul had for Timothy And so we have seven verses this morning, and this is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And then he uses three metaphors. This is going to become the framework for the message this morning. He's going to talk about the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. Verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And then this final word of admonition to wrap up this section, significant. Paul says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Paul uses three metaphors to talk about resolve in Timothy's life. And they're they're metaphors that we could spend a whole sermon on. We won't this morning, but we could. There's more there than Paul even alludes to, but he wants Timothy to think. Think about the soldier. Think about the athlete. Think about the farmer. And what does it teach you about what it means to follow Jesus and to live out his calling in your life? 
Now, if that's Paul's challenge to Timothy, it's my challenge to you today. I want you to think, even beyond the next 25 minutes, think about what the implications are that we are a soldier in God's army, that we are in a, like an athletic contest, that we are competing for the crown, and that we are like farmers who are planting a crop that someday will bear harvest. Pause and consider what it means for us to be a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. One of the things before we, we dig into this that would have been part of the challenge that Paul would have been given to Timothy. And I, and I want you to get this from the get-go. We'll come back to it at the end. You'll only be victorious if you don't entangle yourself in the affairs of this world and you stay focused on the mission that the commanding officer has given you. You will only win the crown if you compete according to the rules. You will only reap a harvest if you put in the work. And as Timothy would have read this, and I think he would have reread this, then that becomes much of, I, I believe, what God would have spoken to him about to win the victory, to be awarded the crown, to reap the harvest requires something. And I believe it requires, even though it's not a word that Paul uses, it, it requires resolve. Don't think it's just going to happen. Just because you're in the army, just because you're in the contest, just because you're doing some farming activity. <laughs> no. There is a resolve that is required, and therefore that's why this morning I would say it is one of the essentials uh, to living that we must live in resolve. In the, in the first two verses, Paul gives as clear a statement of Timothy's calling as there is. In verse 1, he talks about, actually that when he starts in verse 1 and he transitions from what he's talking about, and literally the, the sense of the Greek there is there's that you to start with is intensive so it could be translated, you yourselves. And in fact, I believe the reason Paul says that is because he's been talking about some other people. He's been talking about some other people, and we looked at that last week, but he comes back and he says, but, but you yourself, Timothy, let's get back down to you. He refers to him as, to his son, which is, uh, denotes really what he's going to say in verse 2 about the legacy that is being passed on to him by his spiritual father, and then this general statement of admonition, be strong, which is the same word. It, it means to live in power. It is that word dunamis 
that he used earlier in verse chapter 1, verse 7, when he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. So he says, but, but you, my son, live in power. And he's going to talk to him in verse 2 about his calling. And this, this is just a classic verse. And actually, this could be a whole sermon series in verse 2. And it's a verse that many of us have memorized. But it says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The center word, at least in, in my translation, and the main verb to verse 2 is the word commit. And it is a word that Paul has already used on several occasions with Timothy. When he, well, in 1 Timothy 6.20, he says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. And we've talked about this in previous sermons. Uh, there is something that has been entrusted to you. And initially what he says to Timothy is guard this. There is something of value that has been given into your custody and you are to guard it. Uh, Paul used this same uh, word in, in the first chapter of 2 Timothy, verse 12, when he says, For I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. And so Paul would say, I have committed my life to Christ and I am trusting that he's going to keep that safe. And then in verse 13 and 14, he talks about this, but in verse 14, he, he changes it, but he uses the same word. He says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. The central word in verse 2 is the word commit. And the picture is, Timothy, something has been committed to your trust, and you are to do something with it. There, there's an obligation there. Notice what that is. It says in verse 2, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. So what has been entrusted to you is something that you have heard. And what Paul is referring to is the message of the gospel. Timothy, the message of the gospel has been trusted to you for safekeeping. But please understand this. There is something more than Paul and what he has said and before this to Timothy, and what he said was, I want you to guard. I want you to guard that. Protect it, Timothy. But when he comes to verse 2, there's something beyond that. It's, Timothy, I don't just need you to guard it. I need you to entrust it to other faithful men who will teach others also. Do you get the picture? Timothy, something's been committed, entrusted to you. Guard it. But Timothy, I'm going to need you uh, to pass it on to others. There's a very simple reason why. There's a very simple reason why the message of the gospel is not something we much just guard and protect but it is something that we must pass on. And it is, 
it is understood in the context as Paul writes to Timothy, it is because the day will come you will not be here. And what has been entrusted to you will have to be passed on to others so they can pass it on to others. The day will come that you will not be here. You realize that's the very context of 2 Timothy. Paul's going to say, no, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to check out. I'm not going to be here anymore. And Timothy, I've committed this to you, and I've asked you to guard it, but there's something beyond that now, Timothy. What I need you to do is make sure that you pass it on to others. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the message of the gospel is not something you can take with you. That may be a strange way of putting it. You have a time on earth to do what God has called you to do. Um, Otis Redding, musician from the 1960s. Anybody? Otis Redding? There's a few. Yes, yes. Otis Redding had one number one hit sitting on the dock of the bay. We don't have to sing it right now if y'all don't want to. Some of us from that era will, will gather in a huddle over here after church and we will sing in the spirit of Otis Redding. That song sold millions and made millions of dollars. Huh. Otis Redding didn't receive a dime from it. Do you know why? That song became popular in uh, about February, March of 1968. In December of 1967, four days after Otis Redding recorded that song, the plane that he was on crashed and he died. And his greatest hit of all time, sitting on the dock of the bay, made millions of dollars, but not for him, because we all know you can't take it with you. Uh, I want you to get that sense, church. <laughs> You've been entrusted with something, but you have an opportunity in your life to pass on the message of the gospel. But please understand today, you can't take it with you. You've got to pass it on while you're here. Paul gives a very clear statement of, of Timothy's calling. Uh, that he had to entrust to others what was entrusted to him. Um, and then he gives three metaphors, and we're going to move through these quickly this morning. Three metaphors, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer. Verses 3 and 4, he speaks about the soldier. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. The soldier, the athlete, the farmer must all live in resolve is the common theme through here. The soldier must have a resolve to the mission. He exists to please the one who has enlisted him. It is the commanding officer that gives him his marching orders, what he is to do. The imagery of 
the Christian life being a battle is one that Paul uses other places. I think of Ephesians 6 when he talks about the armor of God. It really relates to us and to Timothy initially, originally, uh, that this life is a battle and we have to endure hardship. In fact, that word that he talks about, uh, endure hardship, is the same word that he uses in 1.8 when he says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Share with me in the sufferings is all one word. It's repeated here. Endure hardship or suffering. Uh, there has to be resolve to live out the mission. Because, and Paul alludes to it. The reason why there has to be resolve is because there is a tendency in our life to become entangled with other things. Uh, the one, it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. If you are a soldier and you have been given orders, you have a mission, you have been given orders, uh, you must abide by those. You cannot become entangled with civilian affairs, other things. Things It is not according to your mission or the orders of your commanding officer. And so when we apply that to ourselves, we acknowledge that we also are soldiers in God's army. And the question we must all answer today as Christians is if that is true, then what are my orders? And I say that in such a way, it's not just, I don't want to throw out this blanket statement and say, well, what, is, what does the commanding officer say that our mission is? Well, our mission is to, to spread the gospel and to win as many people to faith in Christ before we, we are gone or Jesus comes again. But I want you to know that within the army, there are different tasks and God has orders for you. You can't just throw out this blanket, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm a part of the army. I'm, I'm, I'm expanding the kingdom of God. I'm doing that. I'm trying to be a good soldier. No, you have orders within the army. And, and I want you to pause this morning. That's what he says in verse 7. No, consider, think about it. What are your orders? What is your role of responsibility within the army? What is your task? The second metaphor is that of an athlete. And he says in verse 5, And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I think the significant line is according to the rules. The athlete only receives the crown if he competes according to the rules. Um, I believe that is a statement that Paul makes to Timothy. And in the athletic realm, what he is saying is there has to be a resolve to discipline. The lesson of the athlete is his resolve must be to discipline. He must discipline himself to play the game according to the way he has been taught that game. Now, we know in every athletic, sports, whatever it is, there are rules. And, and for sure, that's included, I think, in, in the thought here. There are certain rules. If you, if you step on the out-of-bounds line, 
You're out of bounds. That's the rules almost in every athletic contest that we're in. But there's something more than that. Uh, there is a certain way that we are trained to play the game, and we must, we must have resolve to be disciplined within that. We must be disciplined, yes, to know what the rules of the game are and compete according to that, but there is also, uh, there, are, uh, there are standards for the sports. Uh, so in professional sports, maybe even well below that, there's drug testing, let's just say that. You know, I don't even know if performance-enhancing drugs would have helped me back in the day. Let's just be honest. If, if I had opportunity to have them, it probably wasn't going to make a substantial... Anyhow, I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyhow, um, drug testing, you know, there's, there's a certain standard for the sport that you have to abide by. But the other thing is that there is coaches training. So when we talk about there's a way to play the game, that's according to the rules, that's according to the standards of that particular sport, but there's also coaches training. To this day, 58 years of age, I can still hear certain phrases being yelled at me, Smith and Coach Middleton yelling those things in basketball. What I remember most is baseline, Smith. I don't know. It still echoes. Probably I wake up in the night. Coach, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Protect the baseline. I don't know why I remember that. Well, well, I do remember why, because he yelled it at me repeatedly. Some things are ingrained in your mind. Baseline, Smith. Apparently I had a problem with that. Uh, but anyhow, that's a whole other subject. But do you understand, I think all of that, even the coach's training, goes in to the way that we are going to play the game. In Paul's day, in the, uh, the Olympics... The Olympic athletes had to make a pledge that they had strenuously trained for 10 months before they were qualified to compete in the Olympic Games. You couldn't just be the super athlete that just says, I'm showing up. No, that was not within the integrity of the game. You are going to give your verbal pledge, if you're going to compete in the Olympic Games, that you have strenuously trained for 10 months or you cannot participate in that. There's this great passage that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. You can look at that other time. But he, he goes back to this uh, metaphor of athletics. But whether it's here or it's 1 Corinthians 9, it is the resolve to discipline. No, you cannot play the game the way you want to. You have to play according to the rules, whether that's the rules of the game that are in writing, whether that's uh, the standards of that particular sport, or that's your coach's training. If you don't do what the coach tells you to do, you get to join Daryl Smith on the bench. Okay? Now, I was on the bench for a different reason. But anyhow... Um, no. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9, he would talk about being disqualified. So you say, well, wait a second. What is this? We have to be, we have to be resolved to discipline. There is a way to play the game. How do we know? Let me tell you today that God wrote, wrote 66 books to tell us the way to compete in life. Do you know the rules that he's written down? It's kind of lengthy. 
But if it's the rules to life, shouldn't you know that? You know, the other thing that occurs to me is I never equated Coach Middleton with the Holy Spirit. But anyhow, the other thing is there's a voice inside of us that God speaks to us. Yes, it's written down, but he also speaks to us. Have you disciplined yourself to say, I will not compete the way I think I want to compete, but I will compete according to the rules and what the coach says in my heart? If you're on God's team, you can't do it your own way. What Paul would say is you're disqualified. What Paul would say is you don't get the crown. The third metaphor is that of a farmer. And the lesson of the farmer is a resolve to work. It's very simple. He says in verse 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The significant word is the word hardworking. And it denotes uh, diligent labor. And we can think of farmers and what is required to reap a harvest and the preparation they must make in the soil and how they must plant the seed or the plants, how they must cultivate that water, weed, whatever they have to do, fertilize, and how they must harvest that. Here's the thing. You only get the benefit of the harvest if you do all of that work. A farmer can't go, well, I'm not going to plant this year. I'm going to plow. I'm going to water. No, it doesn't work like that. Here's the thing, to reap the harvest, you have to put in the work. And farmers have to work not only all year long, but generally every day. If you miss any of the steps or any of that aspect of that, you cannot anticipate a harvest. And so the the lesson of the farmer is very simple. You have to put in the work. And so if we learn from the soldier that there is a mission and a calling that we have and we've got to do it God's way, the final question of the farmer is, then are you putting in the work? And if you're not putting in the work, why would you expect there to be a harvest? Now, that's what Paul says to Timothy, the young man. He gives him three illustrations and he says in verse 7, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. There has to be resolve in our life, a resolve to the mission, a resolve to discipline and a resolve to work. Resolve is required to be victorious in the battle, to win the crown, to reap the harvest. I love what Paul says at the end of his letter to Timothy because in his mind, I think he goes back to this conversation. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he's starting to conclude, after he says, the time of my departure is at hand, Paul says about himself, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
I have kept the faith. Then he says in verse 8, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Wow. Wouldn't you love to come to the end of your life and to sincerely before God say, I fought the good fight. I finished the, the race. I've kept the faith. The way we can do that is to live out of resolve. Resolve to the mission that says, I won't be sidetracked with things that aren't my commanding officer's orders for me, that I will live in resolve to discipline. I will know what the rules are that God has written down, and I will know what my coach is saying to me. And then finally, I will have the resolve to work, that I will put in the work that is always necessary to be a part of the harvest. I know, I know Timothy was challenged by those words. I know I'm challenged by those words. And my prayer is that you would be challenged by those words too. I believe it's one of the essentials. Living in resolve, a firm determination. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and before I pray, um, I want you to know that things are not traditionally as we are used to. Uh, if you have offering to give, if you will put those in the offering box boxes in the foyer. If you have a decision to make, um, whether you need to talk with someone about your relationship with Christ or falling through with baptism as Logan has done this morning. Um, if you need to officially become part of our church, if you'll just reach out to me, and I know this morning we're having family conference right after this time, but uh, I'll be around. Stick around. Talk with me. And... Um, just uh, however you need to reach out to us uh, if you will do that. Um, before I pray also, we're going to take, after I pray, we're going to take just a short break. And um, if you need to leave, I understand that. Uh, but I hope that you can stay because it's not going to be long, but we need to talk about a few things. And um, But we're, we're going to take a short break. There's handouts in the four-year if you need handouts for the family conference, financial reports, minutes, and uh, reports from certain groups. They're out in the four-year. Um, but uh, let me pray this morning, and then we're going to take about two to three minutes, and then we're going to reconvene. Some of us are hangry already. Amen? Amen. I know. All right. I'm praying for you. Father, today we... Um, 
We thank you for the grace of God that has chosen us to be a part of your army, a part of your team, and a part of your uh, harvest. And Father, I pray that uh, we would have the resolve uh, to live out uh, that calling and your rules for how we're to compete and Father that we would put in the work that's necessary and so Father we um, uh, pray that when there's opposition and there's hardship that Father your spirit would encourage us uh, to live out that calling and Father we uh, we're thankful for that because uh, we trust that it makes an eternal difference not only in our lives but in the lives of others as we pass that on. And so, Father, just uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for our time today, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.